coined in 2019 by Neil McDonald, Gartner defines Single Vendor Secure Access Service Edge or SASE as offerings that deliver multiple converged network and security as a service capabilities, including software-defined WAN, secure web gateway, cloud access security broker, network firewalling, and zero trust access. Now, in today's hybrid multi-cloud environment where touch points comprise of fixed and mobile, virtual and physical, what is the value proposition of SASE? I had a good fortune of meeting Kunal Jha, Regional Director for Asia at Netscope, and I took the opportunity to get clarity on the value proposition of SASE in a hybrid multi-cloud environment. What follows is the dialogue I had with Kunal during his visit to Hong Kong. The issue I have with digital transformation or business transformation, depending on who you talk to, is that most times at the senior level, it's a all-encompassing enterprise-wide. Most of the time, it's modernization of business processes. The technology elements tend to fall by the wayside, depending on what technology we're talking about. If it's front-end applications to customers, yes, they're the top of mind for executives. But when it comes down to the network infrastructure, usually things start to get waffled there. Few people really think about it until you start talking administrators the network administrators, that's when you start dealing with the topic. Is that an observation you have of the markets in this part of the world? Absolutely, and not just this part of the world. Many, many decision makers that I speak with, I've noticed that they've gone down the path of digital transformation, which is essentially modernizing of one isolated department within the company. Let's say customer service within a bank with the advent of chatbots and all of that. It is looked upon as a very high visibility activity. But I always confer with decision makers to say that if you aren't modernizing, transforming from the bottoms up, your digital transformation efforts will hit a snag and your overall return on investment will be stunted unless you pay attention to the holistic picture, which includes foundational technologies like network. I understand that there are four elements for SaaS, the cloud access security broker, zero trust, secure gateways, right, secure web gateways, and to a certain degree, DLP. The issue I have with the foundational technologies is, for the most part, we live in a world where open systems and distributed computing has promoted the idea of best-in-class, but it also means that you'll have a lot of point solutions out. Today, from my understanding, as part of the discovery process of digital transformations, we have very complex infrastructure, systems and processes in place that to a certain degree it does stunt the growth as you said earlier for organizations especially if they're going through this transformation now. What's your take on that one? And that's a great question. In the two decades, Alan, that I've spent in the industry, I've seen the pendulum swing between best of breed and end-to-end. There are vendors that will say, buy everything from me because you have one neck to choke. There are vendors who will say, I'm best of breed in this specific area. Don't compromise. Go with the best. And decision makers are always always struggling to find, I would say, useful middle ground between these two extremes. The right balance between the the two. The right balance, yeah. And what I feel it really comes down to, the theme that I hear most often, if you peel back the layers of the onion as customers voice their pain points, it's about simplification. They've, over the past decade, decade and a half, thrown money to solve point problems by acquiring point solutions. And they've reached a stage where solution clutter is at an all-time high. Just a bit of anecdotal evidence, as a corporate employee yourself and myself, I'm speaking to uh, a large uh, insurance company's CISO. We had a nice hour, hour and a half discussion. They 
liked what they saw, the CISO directed me to his deputy and said, check these guys out. I'd like you to give them a shot and evaluate. What do you feel about that? And the guy literally rolled his eyes and said, oh God, one more endpoint agent to evaluate. So I asked him, why do you say that? He said, do you know that the number of agents installed on a regular corporate endpoint on an average is between 10 and 12. Some agents are doing backup, some are doing remote connectivity, some are doing antivirus, some are doing something else. It's putting load on the endpoint and on security teams because they're managing so many different solutions that don't always integrate. So the short answer would be senior decision makers are looking for solutions that will simplify. And I can encompass that in one phrase. Consolidate where you can, integrate where you must. And that's a conundrum, right? Because uh, they don't want to, as you say, buy from me everything, okay? Because then you have a point of failure. <laughs> and your the old word was uh, vendor lock-in. <laughs> well, of course, by going with one single vendor, you're able to uh, get the, I guess, bargaining chip uh, right. in terms of pricing is concerned. So what, in your view, does SASE solve in terms of problems? It's a great question, Alan, uh, but albeit maybe a little too simplistic, right? So what we need to start with is that SASE folks at Gartner did everybody a favor by coining the phrase because it got us to start thinking along the lines of the fact that SSE, which is Security Services Edge, which encompasses the four components you called out earlier, ZTNA, CASB, Secure Web Gateway, as well as DLP, plus SD-WAN. That is SASE because SSE plus SD-WAN makes SASE. And this is where the worlds of networking and security essentially collided. They've always pointed fingers at each other internally as departments. It's either your fault or it's your fault. The great thing about convergence is that it simplifies, forces teams to work together, gives you a single pane of glass to monitor. And as you said, also results in the consolidation of at least a few functions. What true value really means to these decision makers is if vendors can come in and say, I can truly deliver all of this capability from a single client on a single agent on the endpoint. This is what a lot of companies that claim to have the full suite of SASE solutions are not able to do. They still have disparate clients or agents that need to be installed. They still have disparate management platforms that customers will need to look into. So I believe decision makers are gravitating towards vendors who are truly able to show a single client and a single management platform story. That really does change the game. The problem with the single pane of glasses, we used to say, the issue is there are proprietary technologies built on certain uh, applications, say, for example, a network firewall appliance uh, developed by a vendor A would be would have something unique feature that they promote. So when a end user decides on this solution and you come over and say, I have a SASE solution that will also manage that. The question I have is, to what extent can you manage even the proprietary features of these? Because you, you have a, a, a supermarket of different appliances that do the same thing. And the holy grail of SaaS is we'll manage, uh, within the context of this area, we'll manage all of these brands, irrespective of what they are. Uh, I would imagine that as a CISO and CIO who's controlling the budget, will say, ah, I like that idea. Mm -hmm. But there's a unique feature I like here. Mm -hmm. Can I keep that? Or how do I keep those? Right. What's the answer to that? Right. The one, I'd say, guiding light, the one North Star that we keep in mind when we speak to our customers, when I personally speak to my customers, is am I having a conversation with you that will help you deprecate legacy technology debt 
that you have currently on-prem. And in that sense, any overlap immediately decreases the value I bring to the table. And therefore, decision makers who are on the fence uh, and say, I'm not quite comfortable going full cloud. Can you use an on-premise appliance from my existing firewall vendor? Make that as your point of enforcement and I go uh, everything else cloud with you. That has limited payback. And while some customers will choose to go down that route because they don't want to throw the kitchen sink at the problem immediately. And they could have regulatory issues as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, right? yes. And what we always encourage is let us look at a minimal overlap, maximum technology deprecation strategy that helps you consolidate, but at the same time uh, helps you meet regulatory requirements as well. Uh, one of the things that uh, also matters in that case for vendors like us is we really have a point of presence in the country, first of all. Are, are you able to have a regulatory conversation at all or not? Or are you sending all your data to Singapore? Yeah. And, and that matters too. So not a lot of vendors have actually invested in local pops within Asia, which we've done quite early on. When do I need a SASE? Not so much a question of when do you need it. It's a question of what are you trying to solve for? And is SASE the solution? Because SASE, it could be a buzzword for all the CISO cares. I mean, the, to them, SASE is just something that you uh, we love saying all the time. Every third word is SASE. But for them, what they're looking at is an aging VPN infrastructure, for example, that is regularly showing up in vulnerability reports, an aging network infrastructure that forces end users to still continue complaining about performance, even in countries like Hong Kong and Singapore and Tokyo, where network connectivity should not be an issue. Why are end users still complaining? I mean, the average bandwidth in these countries is outstanding. The issue is the way these legacy solutions are architected. If these are some of the problems that they're facing, then the time to evaluate SASE is now. Every customer has lives in their own time zone. I never tell my customers that looks like you're a laggard, you've been left behind. SASE has been adopted everywhere else. It's about the right time, right place for SASE to be the answer. You mentioned the word VPN. Would SASE eliminate the need for VPNs? So in principle, SASE should be able to fully replace legacy VPN. But in reality, not all SASE solutions are created equal. And what it comes down to really is chatty applications that are client to server and server to client, such as voice and video. These are the two that will really throw a spanner in the works for most solutions in the market that try to come in and fully replace a VPN solution. There are companies, even in this day and age, that have fully featured on-prem installations of VOIP for these to be still. Yes, absolutely. I thought those things died already. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for that to be transformed to UC as a service, for example, mm. unified comms as a service, move that to the cloud. But until such time, you need uh, a SASE solution that also does full-featured SD-WAN on the endpoint so that you're able to do back-and-forth communication. If I can go back to the word I used earlier, hybrid workplace and hybrid environment, how is SASE supporting this environment that we have in? And, and is that a temporary thing? Would there be something else in the coming years or so? I like to define hybrid work to begin with. And while the definition is quite simple, a visual illustration of this is really important to see. The visual illustration of this is empty offices and empty data centers because employees no longer work out of the office, applications no longer live in data centers. Now, of course, that's not a be-all, end-all statement. There are still employees that work from offices. There are still yeah, some applications. A lot of people still come to the office. <laughs> 
And where have employees gone? They've gone everywhere. They're working out of mountain resorts and working out of cafes, working out of partner offices. Where have applications gone? They've all gone to the cloud. As such, the traditional perimeter is broken. And what security practitioners used to love is a perimeter, much like a jail. A jail has a perimeter, so you know what you need to... If you protect this perimeter, you're good. That perimeter has dissolved. And that is what has security practitioners in a fix. Because now the perimeter is everywhere. Every endpoint that you allow to connect back to corporate resources is a point of vulnerability. SASE, in effect, is the ability for policies and for security enforcement to follow the user wherever they go and be as close to the user and as close to the application as possible. So that performance never becomes an issue. So in that sense, SASE or whatever it's called in the future is the practice of dynamically following users and applications as they evolve. I don't know how the evolution will look five years later, but whatever it will be called, it will be based on the premise of evolve with how working practices change and how application deployment changes. About I think seven or eight years ago, there was a CISO um, back home in India who said, hey, can you please suggest a software to me that will help lock my USB ports? Great sales guy who was sitting in front of him actually said, sir, I can chew some gum and put it in the USB port. That's the best way to block it. So the problem is not about blocking. The problem is about allowing, but knowing when to block uh, and doing it dynamically. That's what smart, sassy solutions will be able to do. Let me ask you this. Um... You spoke about not all SaaS solutions out there are equal. As a CISO, what do I look for then? What are the criteria that would give me 90 plus percent of all my needs when I'm trying to shop? Okay, there's a laundry list of vendors out there selling SaaS. What do I look for? There's a number of ways you can look at it. Gartner released a critical capabilities report on single vendor SASE. That's a great place to reference. And what it really talks about is the five capabilities that you called out earlier. Full-featured next-generation software secure web gateway, full-featured ZTNA, uh, which is zero trust network access, full-featured CASB, uh, full-featured DLP, which covers all channels. Because remember, DLP, not all DLP is equal. Yeah. Because DLP on the endpoint, there are some vendors that are very strong at that. But other channels, including web, SaaS, cloud, network, they're not so good at. Critical capabilities and all f- covering all five channels within DLP. And then a full-featured SD-WAN solution, which can work off of a minimal footprint on the endpoint. One of the things that we all grew up hearing was... How much resource does that client consume? Does it slow the machine down? The question to ask is, how much processing are you doing here? If you're a cloud-native SASE platform, why are you doing the processing on my endpoint? Do the processing in the cloud. You should not be utilizing endpoint resources and slowing down my end-user's experience. And as such, vendors who are able to have a really the lightest possible footprint on the endpoint, do maximum processing in the cloud. And finally, if you talk about governance, invested in full-featured points of presence in my country, if you're talking to me. I mean, I understand if we're looking at absolute emerging economies like Laos or Mongolia or Cambodia. But if we are within the top five, six countries of Asia, Southeast Asia plus North Asia, then please talk to me if you have a pop here. Otherwise, put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's what decision makers should really ask. Some say that to deliver it as a cloud is a single point failure for SASE. I'm not sure if it's Gartner or Forrester or somebody else. Is that true? Valid, valid question. <clears throat> Murphy's Law notwithstanding, <laughs> that if something can fail, it will <laughs> fail at some point. That's what one consideration, one very clear consideration is to ask the SASE vendor whether their cloud is their own or not, or do they host it 
on somebody else's cloud, which means they themselves have ceded control to, let's say, one of the big hyperscalers. Mm -hmm. In that sense, vendors like Netscope that have a private network globally run managed completely by us, including the connectivity, including the compute, storage, all pops, creating a global network presence that we take full responsibility for, therefore are able to offer SLAs, therefore are also able to offer maximum redundancy, five nines of availability. And if something fails, something should back it up. If that fails, something should back that up as well. So a, a very redundancy focused architecture that is owned and managed by us. There are situations where vendors have a network that unfortunately runs on somebody else's backbone. That may become an area for concern, but I do feel that availability, redundancy are inherent in every vendor's architecture. They would not be running a global network otherwise. What does a successful SASE deployment look like? That's actually a really, really good question because what does success look like for you is a question we ask our decision makers as well. What really matters to you? Some engage with us after they've been breached. So success for them is a prolonged period of time where we are able to significantly reduce breaches, stop them, show them that they're being attacked real time and that our solution is able to fend off these threats. For some, it is just the absolute clutter that their legacy technology has created. Okay. They need resources to be freed up. Can the 12 member team that used to manage my security stack be managed by six people free up because I have strategic priorities as well. These are very transactional priorities. I have other things to do that matter to the board. Can you free up resources for me? For some, it's actually cost because they've, they've been stuck with legacy tech and renewal contracts that keep going up and up and up every year and they don't know what they're paying for through their noses. And contract simplification is another big one. They have renewals coming up every month. All 12 months of the year, there is one technology that comes up for renewal and they say, can we please consolidate this? Can we make this easy for me to sign off maybe once or twice a year, but I can't keep doing this. So a successful SASE implementation will have to, number one, meet the success criteria of the decision maker themselves. And two, it should do what it says and effectively make life simpler. What advice would you offer to CISOs and CIOs who are looking at the potential of SASE to solve some of the things you highlighted, whether it's uh, redirecting some of the people resources they have to do more strategic things or whether they're consolidating to reduce the cost and all that? Uh, what's the advice you would offer? My advice, and, and these are learned, seasoned decision makers, they know what they're doing. My advice would be based off of some of the learnings I've had in dealing with many such decision makers myself would be to, number one, try and rise above the transactional noise that their teams will make. Their teams will push them to renew and refresh technology that they are comfortable with. Yeah. They would much rather not go through the painful process of transformation. Number two, really look at every net new discussion that they have with SASE vendors or otherwise. Do we have an opportunity to consolidate and therefore consolidate where you can, integrate where you must? The second part of that is equally important. Are these vendors coming to you with a rich technology partner ecosystem? Meaning they have deep integration with peripheral vendors. 
because security is so vast that it's never going to be a single vendor discussion. There will be XDR and EDR and threat intelligence and so many other things that surround SASE. Do I have joint collaboration? Do I have integration? Will I be able to uh, do threat exchange? What when one vendor in my ecosystem learns, does the other benefit from it? Does the value chain of these vendors benefit from each other's presence? And finally, give your team some time back by pushing them into these difficult situations that will require learning to begin with, but it will make their life simpler in the long run. Finger pointing will stop. To what extent is IoT difficult subject matter to cover when it involves SASIC? The easiest way to answer that is it's really easy to manage an endpoint that you can install a client on and therefore make it a managed endpoint. But you can't install clients on IoT devices. Yeah. These are IP addresses. They're exchanging very small amounts of data, but are equally susceptible to the threats. And as such, the ability to do unmanaged endpoints and reverse proxy them into the same gateway that inspects the traffic of managed devices is really the answer to how you managed IoT. There are companies that specialize in IoT security. However, the way we look at it, we look at them as just any other unmanaged endpoint. And all that traffic without the use of an endpoint client will be reverse proxied through our gateway. And the answer to that is inspect everything. That was Kunal Jha, Regional Director for Asia at Netscope on the topic of drawing the most value from SASIC. You are listening to Podcast for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcast for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcast for Future CIO. Bye for now.